Hello everyone, we are back once again with another edition of The View from the Booth. I am still your host, Mo Stewart, and I'm very delighted to be joined by a DJ fresh from the... Well, I'm going to leave you up to you to how to describe Creamfields, but the joys of Creamfields has been known <laughs> to play in and around town, all over the shop for quite some time now. Charlotte Major, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hi, thanks for having me on today. You're welcome. Um, so I did mention Creamfields and it is literally days from it. Um, how was it? It was absolutely amazing. Um, but I'm sure you've seen what the weather and the uh, the mud situation was like. Yes. Um, other than that, I had a brilliant time. I mean, some people went home early. Um, personally, I just stuck it out. So are you a veteran of Creamfields then? Yeah, I tend to try and go every year. Um, last year was the first year that I didn't do the full weekend because I was working. Um, I did the daytime and then I said, from now on, never going to do that again. I've got to do the full weekend or nothing, go hard or go home. So it's just you just didn't feel it? It was enough. You can squeeze it all into a couple of days. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, that wasn't enough for me. I probably could have gone on for another week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for someone like me who's been to Creamfields once, and it was like 17 years ago, um, I'm obviously not averse to festivals. Um, Grastonbury itself can get uh, messy at times, in all senses of the word. But messy is also the word that I normally associate with Creamfields, based on stories I've heard and the, <laughs> the one thing that I did see. Is that outdated? Would you say it was still there in comparison to maybe some of the other festivals? I'd say more so, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Just based on some of the sites I've seen over that one weekend. <laughs> so moving on from the experience of festivals then, who did you, when you were first starting getting into DJing, uh, who were the people who you were listening to, you enjoyed? Who were your, maybe your influences in starting? So back when I started, it was probably about five years ago. Um, and at the time, I was really into like melodic techno, um, listening to the likes of like Adam Bayer, um, Leighton Giordani, those sort of vibes. Um, and and to be fair, when I first started getting into raving, the sort of stuff I was listening to was Tech House, and then I kind of got a bit heavier and heavier until that's kind of where I landed for a while. Um, and I was going to all sorts of like techno raves and stuff at that point. Um, but over the years since then, my sounds kind of changed a lot. Uh, I struggled for a while trying to find my kind of niche. Um, mm. I was, and to be fair, I was told in order to succeed, you need to find a specific niche and you need to stick to it. But something that I've noticed, particularly this year, with the likes of Trick, um, like DJs such as Patrick Toppin, um, Ben Hemsley, yeah. Hannah Lang, um, there's this breaking of the mould and you don't really need to, it's not pressure to stick to just one niche anymore. Like, it's going back to how it used to be where you just play good songs, um, just for a good vibe and there's no kind of genre restrictions. So now I kind of lean more towards hard house, um, trance, tech house, just, just a bit of everything really. It's interesting you say that though, because I mean, that's something that we've discussed on previous episodes, the difference between someone who's more of a specialist in one genre compared to someone who feels like they can just go in front of any crowd and just do what they want to do. So when you say people were kind of telling you you needed to be more, who were these people? <laughs> uh, just everyone really. Like most people that I spoke to, they said in order for you to be marketable and mm. to land these gigs, you need to kind of make up your mind what your niche is going to be, focus on that and then market that. But that was just never really me because my music taste has always been so eclectic and I'd love to, when I was in the studio, play one thing and then I'd want to play another song which is a completely different genre but like the same vibe and like the yeah. same level of energy. And I think, you know, who cares as long as, as, long as you're dancing and have a good time. 
Yeah, no, 100%. So, I mean, was this more a reflection of the places that you were going when you were going out? And it was more of a case of, okay, so I want to go from being uh, paying for a ticket to get in to being on the bill. Was that kind of how the progression was? Yeah, so like when I was in uni, that's really when I started to get into raving and going to events and stuff. Um, before that, I loved when I heard like EDM music. Like when I was growing up, I'd hear EDM and I'd hear, I remember like really like, vividly when I was younger hearing Robert Miles' Children. <laughs> and like it just stuck with me for years and I never knew the name of the song yeah. until I got into like my teenage years and I heard it. I think it was on the radio or something and they told me the name of the song. And that's when I started to dive into like really finding what sort of music I enjoyed. Um, and when I went to uni, my friend said like, oh, you need to listen to Tech House, showed me it. And then we started going to, I think at one point it was like three, two, three events a week we were doing. Wow. And that went on for like a good two years. Um, obviously now I can't do that now. I'm, I'm, I'm 25 at the moment and even now I'm starting to feel it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as someone who is in their uh, 40s, I can <laughs> concur that that will eventually get worse. <laughs> I hate to tell you too. But I mean, so obviously now you are, in a situation where you have kind of broadened out. Um, in terms of residencies, where can people find you at the moment? Um, at the moment in Liverpool, I'm currently doing Heaven on Tuesdays and Cheers, Big Ears on Wednesday, Thursdays. <laughs> um, that will soon change though. I'm swapping from Thursdays to Mondays for freshers. Uh, and then I do various places in Chester. So at the moment I'm doing North Light and Kahiki Bar. Um, and I alternate sort of different weekends between the two of them. So how do you find it going from the different places? Because obviously, like, Heaven's a kind of place that does have its very... Well, I think it's more defined clientele, maybe it's fair to say, compared to somewhere else where you could have anybody coming in off the street? Yeah, well, for me personally, I love all my residencies and I, I can get into anything, but Heaven is probably the one where I can play the stuff that I'm most comfortable playing and yeah. the stuff that I want to play because you can't afford to go a bit heavier in there, uh, genre-wise. But at the same time, like... Uh, in Cheers, I'll play it like a, a wide variety of stuff. It's quite open format. Um, but I'm pretty malleable. I play everything. Like, I play R&B, um, techno, like, house. So I, I, can do, I can do it all. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not, not to toot my horn, being modest. <laughs> oh, no, please. I mean, this is very much a home-on-tooting episode. <laughs> I mean, the whole enterprise is really kind of like that, though, to be fair. But um, so tell me a little bit more about heaven in particular and uh, for people who aren't regulars in there what's the kind of vibe like um well for me i i go there like even when i'm not working i'll be there maybe like three times a week <laughs> they might as well put a bed in there for me but the vibes are very much um it's like a queer bar so it's very acceptable of like any kind of person that wants to come in um I think the production level is quite good as well. I've got really good lights in there, smoke machine. Like it's, and as I said, on a weekend you tend to find it goes a bit heavier. During the week, you just sort of have to like mould to whoever comes in. But um, it's probably the only place in Liverpool, aside from the likes of G Bar, that you can actually go and listen to to heavier mm. genres. It's also one of the places where when people are asking me when I finish wherever I am, where's good that's still open now? That's normally the, 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 <laughs> that's normally the direction I send them in. But I mean. When was that the first, was that the first of the residencies you got? No, so the first residency I ever got was in Soho, um, on Concert Square, ah. and that came came about because I used to work as a bartender for the company. Um, so back in the day, it used to be the case of we'd all just go out after work, 
I'd finish in level, go across to Fusion, spend all my wages in Fusion, and then we'd all go to heaven. So it's like all the people from all the bars knew each other. Yeah. Um, and it was someone that I used to know, uh, a lovely girl called Ellen, and she messaged me and said, we've actually got uh, a warm-up residency if you'd like to do it. And at the time, I was working full-time in a bar, um, and I dropped my full-time job to do this three-hour gig every week just because I wanted to be a DJ so bad. Yeah. I, I knew it wasn't, I wasn't going to be making much money from it and it wasn't sustainable, but I just had this faith that it, it would work out if I took it. And, you know, obviously it, it has. <laughs> no, 100%. And again, regular listeners to this show will know how I feel about the transition from bar staff to DJ. It does feel like so many of us did do that. And did you feel like it gave you a belief that you could do it watching other people doing it while you're working behind the bar? I think it not only gave me the belief that I could do it, but it also gave me the right means to do it because I'd met those connections. Mm-hmm. The reason that I got into it in the first place was I think it was must have been about five years ago. Um, I don't know if you know him, Grano. He's a local talent. Uh, he's brilliant, by the way, really oh, no, clever. Yeah, um, But he was my friend and he took me to one side and showed me the very basics of DJing. Um, and from there, that's when I kind of fell in love with it and and progressed with it really um but yeah if it hadn't been for working in bars and being in the right environment to meet these people i don't think it would have happened and i mean how much of that was again not only just the connections but were there times when maybe you were in the bar and the dj wasn't perhaps doing the right thing and it was as obvious as maybe when they are doing the right things uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, you don't you don't have to name names if, unless you want to. I think the problem is like once you have that musical knowledge and you, you know how to DJ and like what goes behind it, you're so extra critical of like everything. Whenever you go out on a night out, you can't just enjoy the music. Like you're always listening to what the DJ's doing, especially as a producer as well. Like when you're listening to tracks, you start hearing like the different layers of the tracks. Mm. Like you're like, oh, that's a nice, uh, that's a nice bass, or that's a good kick drum. Um, rather than ju- you kind of deconstruct it. Yeah, there are friends of mine who literally won't go to gigs with me anymore because <laughs> I will always, I'll find the weirdest thing to obsess about about a song or a track, or or I'll even just obsess about the idea of someone putting that one after that one and. Yeah, you do find yourself going away with these things. <laughs> but the, 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 this is the fun of the, of the job. So one of the things I want to ask, uh, something I'm trying to ask everybody because someone asked me and I'm not going to really do it. So music that's out right now, is there a song that right now that you're desperate to play that's definitely going to be in every set you play for right now, one that you're really excited about? Yeah, definitely. Um, Party All the Time by Hannah Lang. <laughs> <laughs> it came out while I was at Creamfield and I was like, oh, I'm so excited to just get home, download it and start playing mm-hmm. out. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, that's a cracking choice, to be fair. I think, like I say, the summer is almost over, but that does feel like the kind of song where it's a bit like, for all the people who are still wanting to have some of those summer vibes, or just yeah, they're not definitely. ready for it to finish. Is I that- do feel like something that was lacking this summer a bit was those kind of summer vibe tunes. Mm. I mean, last year we had the likes of um, oh, what's it called? LF System. Um, what what's the song called? Oh, the- don't, don't ask me names. <laughs> I told you I'm getting old. <laughs> the, the, the LF System one that was like absolutely rinsed everywhere. Um, obviously, boss like summer vibes. But I do feel like this year there hasn't been that many releases towards the start of the year that mm. I would say, oh, that's a proper summer tune. Yeah, maybe I don't know. It's something that does appear quite lacking because 
I do think that that's one of those things, or they are one of those things that really does carry a summer. And maybe it's just we haven't had much of a summer this year. It's just been so wet and <laughs> It's been too miserable to yeah. create summer tunes. <laughs> yeah. I will just make moody techno ones instead. <laughs> <laughs> now, you mentioned, obviously, production, and it is something you do as well. Now, how far into DJing did that idea come along? Was it something that you always felt was going to be a natural progression, or was it more... You were having ideas that were going beyond the scope of DJing and you wanted to try them out. Well, I never actually wanted to produce. I just started out purely DJing um, and I tried to do that seriously for about a year. I really stuck to it and then I kind of gave up with it a bit because no one was taking me seriously and I wasn't getting the gigs. So I fell out of love with it for a while and then... Basically what happened was I was working full-time in an office and I quit my job to go and do a season in Ibiza. Um, But it was just as COVID hit. So I wasn't able to go and do the season as planned. And I I found myself with no job, wasn't able to go and do the season and obviously stuck um, in lockdown. Uh, The minute the restrictions lifted to go to Ibiza, I went over there. So I was there for about three months, I think. The clubs weren't open or anything, so it was nice to do, like, a different side to it Mm. that I'd never seen before. We did all, like, we spent CS Vedra and just had more chilled days and stuff like that. Um, But when I came back, I was penniless, as you can imagine. Ibiza's expensive. Yes, it is. Um, But I was penniless, didn't have a job, didn't know what I was really going to do. And as I said, that's kind of the point where I was looking for bar work and stuff. And I found myself at mode training um and they basically do a course which is music technology where it was production and djing so i signed up purely for the djing aspect but the production was something that kind of excited me that came along with it because i play piano and i've always been quite musical and even in school i was like um like producing stuff on um what's it called syllabus is it syllabus oh yeah yeah like but that was more like classical kind of stuff because i was like piano and classical at the Mm. time um so yeah i suppose that's something that felt like a natural progression i was excited about when we got to start it yeah i mean obviously like you say having that musical bedding it does feel like you almost get a leg up uh, were there times when you almost like you didn't realize that your musical background had given you a bit of an advantage did you find it quite easy to pick some of the bits up yeah so for me like it feels so second nature and so natural that it seems alien to me when people are like like what like what how how did you do that or what does that mean how do you know that um a lot of the time i feel it comes in handy with production for example with like chord progressions and stuff like that mm-hmm. where other people struggle and uh, they might go well how do you know what chords to put in what notes for me it, it just feels so natural i already knew it um and especially with things like so, some of the mashups you hear these days as well um sometimes people think stuff goes together just by ear but yeah. It doesn't. <laughs> I, was, I was having this conversation with DJ the other day, and it's like some people aren't aware of the fact that key is a thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it makes a big difference in when you're trying to put two songs together. But yeah. So when you are thinking about constructing music, uh, what, what are you trying to bring out? What kind of, how would you, I'm not going to say how would you describe your music because that feels a bit vague, but what, <laughs> what, what, what kind of, what are you hoping to produce when you're starting a track? My personal aim when I'm producing something is to make something which has a proper original element to it. I feel like these days a lot of dance music is just reconstructions or like heavily inspired by old dance tunes. And I think that's great because obviously I love all the old dance tunes and stuff, but sometimes you just need to leave the classics as classics. Um, So I want to make something fresh and new. And by doing that, I look for samples from unusual places. Mm. Um, Like I use things like jungle sounds, like like monkeys screaming. And um, I'll like sample um, 
like documentaries and and stuff like that and try and like chop and make it quite unusual mm. well that's that, i mean as someone who is an older dj i'm so glad to hear you say that because it has been one of those things that i every time there's a new big song out i'm like okay so what song is this used to be <laughs> it's so true <clears throat> though it is um but the idea of using not only different music but not music at all like really kind of trying to open up the scope of what is possible, what can be musical. I, I find that, that fascinating. So, yeah. Yeah, you. there was a video that Fred again put up and I think it was um, his song Rumble and the way he got a sound for it. I think, I don't know if it was the bass or like just a sound in it. It was, he was putting a headphones, headphones into, um, into the audio interface and it was making like a, like a staticky kind yeah. of um, interference noise, and he liked it, so he recorded it in, and it just sounds amazing. It's like, how how does he like? Where do these ideas come from? <laughs> oh, I I mean, I kind of understand that to a certain extent because, like, I hear sounds. I hear uh, it's gonna sound ridiculous. I hear music everywhere. <laughs> no, but the amount of times that some random sound, or even if it's just something falling off at a certain time or a certain tempo. Remind me of something in the song, and then I'll find myself singing that song without even realizing it. Like 10 minutes later, I'm like, Why am I singing that song? <laughs> and if I trace it back, it could be to that little moment. But so, with your production career, indifferent in to the DJ career, um, have you found it easy to get uh, plays, uh, fellow DJs, radio, that kind of thing? Personally, this is something I've been struggling with at the moment. I'm not at a strong level with my production yet, it's something I am constantly putting in time to learn about um something that Greno has actually helped me with a lot as well to be fair um but I've actually just entered an Elro up and coming competition oh, cool. um basically the winner gets to travel the world with them for a year I'm just waiting to find out actually either today or tomorrow if I've gotten through oh, so shit, really? fingers crossed <laughs> but um essentially I had to produce two demos minimum for this competition so I feel like these are my strongest two yet and I will be probably putting them up on my SoundCloud if I don't progress with the competition um but yeah as i said it's something i'm just consistently learning with um i don't get that much attention on my current productions but i wouldn't expect them to because i don't think they're at a level yet yeah but i mean do you still have outlets where you can kind of just play them for your mates and stuff and be just like what do you think of this sort of thing yeah i like send it to the group chat and i'll I'll send it to like my dj mates and stuff and say like give me an honest opinion from like a technical perspective because you know you can send it to your mates and they'll be like oh my god that's amazing like blowing smoke up you know what i mean but but what you really need at the end of the day is someone to turn around and go well actually this bass needs some work or Mm. like you need the constructive criticism to improve that's a tough one though isn't it because i think as DJ starting out, but also as producers, musicians, you do kind of need a certain amount of support from your friends. Obviously, you want people to like share stuff when you put it out and come in and stuff like that and be generally supportive. But then you also do need someone who's going to be critical. Like I have one friend in particular who I always turn to when I need the truth that I don't want to hear. <laughs> and I think musically, everyone kind of needs that a little bit as well. Is yeah, that- it's not nice to hear sometimes, but you need it. Well, this is it. It's like it's a service. It's not necessarily a joy. And I mean, you mentioned Greno a couple of times. We just say he kind of fulfills that role for you. <laughs> yeah, like you can always rely on him to give you the brutal honesty. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I do appreciate. Like, he's helped me out so much with my career so far. So you know, shout out to uh, to Greno. He produces some amazing stuff as well. So listen to it if you get the chance. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now, obviously, community is something. Uh, or at least support from fellow DJs and just the music scene in general is something that we all kind of rely on. And, I mean, you're obviously the part of our 
Facebook group, the, the, the Vivian Booth, you've seen how we kind of operate at times <laughs> in there. How would you say you've kind of felt that? Would you say that you've kind of generally had support from most people or have there are certain things you found tougher? I would say when I was starting out, I didn't get that support as much as I'd have liked. I feel like, as I said, a lot of people didn't take me seriously. Um, I feel like at the time that was down to being female mm. um, because particularly when I started out, this was like five years ago, there wasn't really many female DJs doing what, what we're doing now. Um, obviously now it's, it's saturated. We've got a great amount of female DJs smashing it in Liverpool. Like um, a, a couple of my good friends, like for example, Taylor, um, she's out in Ibiza at the moment um, playing in plastic on a residency. Um, so obviously I'm really pleased to see that. But um, beyond that, beyond just being a female, I did have some people who were kind of like, not believing in me. Some people who might have made some snidey comments and stuff like that. But you can't let it knock you down. You've got to keep going. At the end of the day, I've proved them wrong. So Yeah, and I mean, I think there's the trial by fire in all of that as well. So even if you are someone for whom comments might have a big impact, I think when you've been through it, you like you say, you've done your residencies, you know what it's like out there face-to-face with the crowd, you know how to kind of go with the ebbs and flows of what a night does. So... In theory, those words shouldn't have as much power, especially at this stage now. Yeah. You've got a, f- a few more years in. But, I mean, you mentioned uh, the f- female DJ, and it has very much been, well, I wouldn't even call it an explosion, more just uh, a regression to the mean in terms of what we should be seeing. Do you think that Liverpool in particular has been quite good in this, or do you think this is something that you we are just seeing all around the country? I personally, I don't know if this is just because this is the place where I spend most of my time, but I, I personally think that Liverpool has pioneered it a bit and pushed it forward. Um, I do think that is because we're getting that education, for example, from the likes of mode training and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of female DJs emer- emerging from there. Um, I'm playing Manchester in a couple of weeks um, and it's an all-female event. Um, so obviously it's obviously progressing there as well, but I wasn't even aware that the scene was you know, becoming a bit more female dominated over there. But mm-hmm. obviously, yeah, it's, it's good to see. <laughs> yeah, no, it is great to see. And I think I spoke to Nikki, we kind of touched on this in the last show. And for her, I think it was more about people are now automatic. Well, people are giving you the respect to say that I'm going to at least turn up and see what you do rather than assuming certain things about you on site. Are you starting to feel like that's changed a little bit? I think that's something that's come with my reputation, to be honest, because all it takes is for that one person to give you that chance. And then, for example, with the likes of like Concert Square and the type of venues that I do work, word gets about so quickly. Everyone knows everyone. And if you do a good job one place, there's always going to be more work for you somewhere else. But at the same time, on the flip side of that, if you do a really rubbish job in one place, then that could be the end of it. Yeah, I mean, we I talk about community and support and all that kind of stuff being a good thing, but I mean, people talk and sometimes that that's not a good thing. <laughs> yeah, I feel like something that I've noticed as well, like as more of on the negative side of things, some DJs who have been in the game for a bit longer than me um, look down on the new people emerging into it. And I think what people forget is they were new once too. And it's it's easy to look at the industry now and say, oh, you know, it's so oversaturated, there's not enough work for all of us. But as someone who faced that coming into it, I try and give as much support to other people as possible because I know that I didn't have that to turn to. So it's nice for them to have that person to turn to when they need advice or if they need some work or point in the right direction, which I do try and do as much as I can. Yeah, I think that's important. I think you've got to, 
like you say, remember the the people who helped you and how that helped you and, and moving forward. As for some of the old, the old crusty, the old guard, as I call them, I mean, there was a time probably around when I was your age that I thought that by the time I was my age, I'd have quit this by now because <laughs> how can you keep youngsters and youngsters are the ones who drive the clubbing scene. Uh, how can you keep them entertained? How can you make sure that you're still up with what they're up with? I mean, I'm sitting here now doing it and I feel like I'm I'm kind of comfortable with it, but I would say the majority of the people who complain or have disdain or distrust of the younger generation are people who are struggling to do that. It, sometimes it can come from a place of jealousy as well. So I try not to take it too seriously and just mm. take it on the chin. But to be fair, saying that, it's not everyone. Like, there was a lot of people in, who've been in the industry for a long time that have supported me and, and like love to see me do well and given me a lot of gigs and... So it's a minority, I'd say, but it is still there lingering like a bad smell sometimes. Yeah, and if you are one of these people, knock it off. (laughs) So uh, you mentioned Concert Square a bit before there. I have in my past done some gigs in there and... It's kind of wild. Like, it's, it's <laughs> if for those of you who aren't aware or maybe aren't familiar with Liverpool, Concert Square is literally a square in the middle of the city centre right next to Bell Street. And there's a bar on every side, or at least one bar on every side, and a collection of crazy people pretty much in the middle or bouncing pinball in between them. Now, my few gigs in there, both of them were quite eventful in terms of the clientele. When you started in there, we were kind of there a couple of times where you're like uh, slightly eyebrow raising events <laughs> going on around your ears. I do that at least five, six times per gig, honestly. Some of the things I've seen. But um, yeah, I, th- I think it's one of those things like uh, <laughs> sometimes because you, you're so high up mm. and you're, when you're in the booth, you see everything before everyone else. There's been a couple of times where I've clocked onto stuff before security even have. Like, I've watched guys get like knocked clean out, cold on the floor and people still haven't like realised. But because I'm the DJ and I can see everything, I'm like, I see it before it even happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Sometimes you just got to start the record and be like, yeah, I've I've had people come over to me before as well, drunk girls, um, asking for like asking for drinks, like double vodka coke, and I'm I'm like, this is the DJ booth. <laughs> you might want to try over there. <laughs> so I, I was going to ask about that as well because obviously, I mean, me and some of the other people on the show, we've talked about requests and generally dealing with the crowd. And again, like I say, um, concert square is kind of wild, but. You are able to kind of keep a little bit more arms length. Do you feel like you've got a bit of a grasp on the routine of requests and dealing with the public in that respect? Yeah, just tell them no now. <laughs> <laughs> no, in, in seriousness, um, I feel like it's something you do get used to. You get used to how to handle it. At first, I was very like, yeah, yeah, I'll play it for you. Like anytime someone come over, I've been really polite and accommodating. And I think sometimes you need to just know when to draw the line because mm-hmm. it's when you get these people pestering and they come over again and again. You play my song, yeah. This I've had someone come over to me before and literally say to me, "There's no one else in here." Um, the reason why there's no one in here is because you aren't playing good music because you won't play my songs. <laughs> and I think when it gets to that point, you've just got to say, "Okay, look, mate." Do you want now? Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, that song, I guarantee whatever song it was, was shit. Like, I don't even need to know who that Probably. was. Yeah. Like, people have such a high confidence in what, knowing what the rest of the people around them wants to hear. And the reality is, is that that's our job for a reason. Yeah, I think sometimes the problem is people 
don't really understand what goes into DJing. They think it's as simple as you play your songs, you press play, like that's it. But they don't realise that in your head you're constructing a whole night. Mm. You've got to, it's almost like a roller coaster. there's like ups and downs and you can't, for example, just go from a, a 140 BPM song to playing like Drake, Hold on, we're going home, Joe. <laughs> no, and I mean, I feel like there are places, or maybe even you know, softwares such as Spotify that allows people to think that that's a viable option. <laughs> yeah. And the reality is, no, no, it's not a viable option. Uh, so, thinking back across some of the times, because you say you've you've done the kind of the residencies, but you've also done the kind of specialist gigs as well. The kind of like you one off the tech house, that kind of stuff. Do you find when you're approaching one of those where you are literally on a bill as opposed to a bar where someone could just turn up and see you, how, how do you find your approach to that different? I think I get more excited about those gigs in a way, but just, not because like I prefer them, but because it gives me more creative freedom to play the stuff that I want to play and the stuff that's defining me as an actual artist. Yeah. If someone comes to see me in a local bar, they're not going to get It's Charlie. They're going to get charlotte who plays the local bar <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whereas if they come to see me on a bill they're gonna get my whole vibe like w- what i'm going for if i was going to be playing like on the creamfield stage or if i was playing in ibifa that's what they'd hear from me so it's like really starting to build myself and my reputation mm. as an artist so yeah I've, obviously because like you say when you get to those higher echelons that's going to be the version of you that they get to see so how would you say do you say that you've got it quite honed now that, that, that it's Charlie, do you think you could know, we could define what it is? So, for example, I was trying to book you for Ibiza, and I was saying, so, okay, it's Charlie, what, what should I be expecting? Okay, so my main thing is hard genres, energetic, euphoric, floor slammers. <laughs> I like the sound of that. So, yeah, I, I, as regular listeners to the show will know, I do struggle with, um, definitions, especially succinct definitions. I struggle with succinct anything, really. I mean, this show is a really good example of that. So that's a good one. So I might need to steal that one from you. <laughs> I think that the, now there's that many subgenres and there's just all kinds. It gets far too complicated. Like it, More complicated than it needs to be. But uh, yeah, especially with this whole like cross genre thing now, like I was saying before, it's just, we're not just seeing it in sets, we're seeing it in tracks as well. Mm. Like um, for an example, I Be For Ben Hemsley, I think I'd say that was my favourite tune of the year. Um, and it's like, it's like trancey vibes, but it's also kind of techy. And yeah. it's like people are kind of mashing these genres together now. So it's becoming harder to define them. And again, I think that that's more... Of- an expectation of people's like listening taste so they were less likely to find someone who's going to want to go to a tech house night and hear maybe four djs in a row all playing in the same world now you want to kind of mix it up a little bit so i think for for people like us that's probably a good thing yeah yeah definitely okay so talking about gigs um this is time to ask another one of the questions that i ask everybody um what has been your favorite gig that you've played so far for whatever reason um, my favourite gig that I've probably done was the f- basically on Concert Square. They did a festival in the square. Um, they've started to do this kind of like two, three times a year at the moment. Um, but the first time I did it, I was closing on the Saturday, I think it was. And honestly, it was just amazing. Like I've never seen it so busy on the square before. Um, but it felt like 
a proper like stage gig. Yeah. Like it felt like I could have been like up at Glastonbury or something like that, f- f- like on the scale like it, it was compared to what it usually is. Um, I think I closed with Afterglow and they had confetti cannons oh, wow. and that d- d- did actually put like a proper production level into it. So yeah, that was definitely my favourite because it felt like the crowd were actually fangirling a bit. <laughs> oh really? Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, I mean, again, if it's somewhere like Concert Square where you feel comfortable, you know what the crowd does, and people who are there will probably know you as well from playing there, and then you get to add that kind of extra element to it. Yeah, I imagine that would have been pretty bust. Well, so are they going to be doing that again every, every year? Do you think that's something they're going to maintain? Yeah, they've just done one um, when Creamfields was on, um, which looked just as good as well, to be fair. Um, as I said, I think they're doing them at sort of all different points in the year but it's great it's a brilliant idea what they've done they smashed it i've always thought that they could have done with a dj outside yeah because when you're inside earlier on in the night everyone's outside at the tables like drinking and the shisha and whatnot um, and they can't actually see the dj so to have someone outside interacting with people yes. it brings a whole new element to it okay so here's a question for you next year you get the opportunity to headline that festival or you get a ticket to Creamfields. Which one are you choosing? Now, this is a ticket as a punter to Creamfields. I would headline the festival, <laughs> hands down. <laughs> it's something I, I, I've got so much passion for what I do that literally when I started, I was just taking everything I was offered. I still do try and take everything I'm, I'm offered. I do so much unpaid stuff and I have done open debt nights and just to get my name out there and to meet the right people. Um, but yeah, any any work I'm offered, I, I do try and take it unless obviously I'm doing something else already. And then of course, obviously from there, there's the chance of playing at Greenfields. Is it something you are actively working for or is it is it more of a vision board type thing? Do you think? It's more of a vision board at the moment, yeah. But to be fair, I'm very uh, very goal-focused. Um, last year, when I started out, um, I wrote, wrote my goals down and I said, I've got this warm-up residency now. By the end of the month, I want to have at least three weekly residencies and I, I achieve that goal. Wow. For this year... I have multiple goals, two of which I'm still aiming to achieve. One is to have a tune signed to a label, and uh, the second was to play Gig and Ibiza, which I've been working on. The possibility may be for closing, but we'll wait Ooh. and see. <laughs> I don't want to speak too soon. <laughs> no, um, we don't want to it, <laughs> but then um, my other goals were I'd never played events before this year. I'd only played bars, and I achieved that. Another one was to play in Manchester. I've ticked that off. So, yeah, I'm just going to keep going and writing my goals down for the year, and hopefully they, they manifest. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. I mean, you are clearly smashing your way through them all, so... I think the only way is up, I think it's fair to say. And no, you don't have to say them out loud on here because we don't want to be involved in any kind of jinxing whatsoever. (laughs) So final question that I'll ask you, the same final question I'll ask to everybody. The set that wants to define you for the rest of your life. So in the past I've said it would be the final ever set or you're about to die or whatever. The final three songs... Which three songs are you picking? That's a good question. So when you walk off into the night... People will always be like, oh, do you remember it's Charlie? She dropped those love three bangers. I think it'd have to be um, Offshore 97, Chicane. What what would the other ones be? Um, I think I'd have to go with Coming On Strong. I love that one. As you can tell, I'm a bit like Trancy Progressive House. Yeah, yeah. And... Above and beyond sun and moon. 
I mean, if you're gonna do the genre, then I feel like that's done the genre pretty well. But no, that's that's, that's great. I think as, as people who have listened to the show over the course of the last few weeks and the last few episodes, we've had quite a few good range of songs in that final bit, and I have started to add them all to a playlist. So those three will go onto the playlist then there, and everybody will be able to listen to them now and get their own little slice of it's Charlie. Now, before we do finally wrap up, just want to ask you to reiterate where any listeners can hear you right now or in the coming future. Okay, so if you want to catch me um, from Freshers Week, I'll be doing Mondays and Wednesdays at Cheers, and that's on Bold Street. And I'll also be doing Tuesdays in Heaven from now on. And you can catch me at the Cable Club in Manchester on the 18th of September for the Girls Will Be Girls event, which is a purely female lineup, and I'm really looking forward to it. As well, I am now for hearing about it. Charlie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you.